Gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determinative. Ooh, what a word, determinative. Gratitude and ingratitude, what does this mean? Gratitude and ingratitude drive the health and the direction of all your relationships. They determine how much you are willing to entrust yourself to somebody and how much they are willing to entrust themselves to you. It determines how much he is willing to entrust himself to you. It determines how much she is willing to entrust herself to you. And because there is such a relational disconnect, when we think things are good when they're not, this is a really, really, really big deal. And so today, we're going to be taking a look at this idea of gratitude. Uh, We're going to be looking at a story in the life of Jesus that can be found in the book of Luke. Now, Luke wrote about Jesus um, in a unique way. He he fills in the blanks where other gospels, writers uh, that covered the story of Jesus, the details that they left out. And so he actually went and investigated the tiny little details. He spoke to eyewitnesses that were with Jesus, and he, he brought different details into the different pictures of the different stories that we see. And so Luke sets out to tell this chronological story of Jesus. And in this story, Jesus takes us right into the heart of this idea of gratitude and ingratitude. And so we read, if you want to follow along in your Bible, if you brought a Bible, turn to Luke 17. If you have a phone, you can turn to Luke 17, or you can just follow along on the screen. It says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, here's what you need to know. This is going to be important for later. Samaria. Samaria was a region that was inside of Israel, and the people who lived there were called Samaritans. And Samaritans kept to themselves because they had been rejected by the Jewish people. And now Jews and Samaritans didn't get along because Jews believed that they uh, didn't follow the rules the way God had intended them. And so they were neighbors, but they were kind of enemies. And so Jesus is on the border of Israel and Samaria, and he's headed towards Jerusalem, which was the capital of Israel. And it says this in verse 12. It says, as he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now, what is leprosy? Well, I heard a recent statistic that in the last 20 years, approximately 16 million people have been cured of leprosy. Uh, But in this day and age, back in the Bible times, people thought that there was no cure. People thought it was highly contagious. Basically, it damages your nerves, your skin. You lose feeling in your toes and your fingers, and sometimes you lose those. Um, And so generally, society at this time was so afraid of leprosy that people who had leprosy had to live by themselves. And it was like sort of like being in a prison without having any walls. You weren't allowed to worship. You weren't allowed to see your family. You weren't allowed to see your friends. You were totally, you were totally alone. You couldn't associate with your friends. You were essentially a religious outcast because people were superstitious. They thought that maybe God gave this to you or something ridiculous like that. And you could live a very long time, but you would be very, very alone. And so the result is these lepers, the people who had this disease, would form their own little villages and colonies just so they could get by and survive and have some sense of community. And so here's what happens in verses 12 and 13. He says, they stood at a distance and called in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now, generally in a situation like this, Jesus would respond to these types of requests. He would go over to the sick person and he would lay his hands on them and he would heal them. Jesus did this dozens and dozens of times, but instead Jesus does something different. Jesus yells to them, and he says this in verse 14. He says, when he saw them, he said, 
go show yourself to the priests. And the lepers are far away. They're kind of listening in. They said, you say, go show yourself to the priest. And he said, what, did he say something about a feast? Is there some sort of, with a beast? What is it? No, he's like, no, go show yourself to the priests. So he goes, so, so there's three things here that are really interesting. Jesus is yelling, that, that's the one? All right, so <laughs> that's the funny one? All right. There's three things that are super important here by Jesus yelling, go show yourself to the priests. Uh, in the Old Testament, which is a whole part of the Bible, the first half of the Bible, the law said that if you had a disease that caused you to be an outcast, once the disease went away, what you had to do, uh, once you were healed, what you had to do is go to the priest of that town or you had to go to uh, the priest of the, the, the nearest area and you had to show yourself to the priest and that priest would give you a check mark and say, basically, you have a clean bill of health. You can return back into society. And so it was actually a law that you had to show yourself to a priest. And this is, that, that, that's really interesting. So uh, the second thing is we don't know where the priest was or how long of a journey it would have been for these lepers to go see a priest. And so Jesus is like, guys, start walking and start heading to the nearest priest. And imagine you're a priest and these 10 guys show up and, and the priest is like, what is going on? Uh, you know, and, you know, there's this guy, he yelled at us and we yelled back and here we are. Can you just check us out? So that's super interesting, too. And the third thing that's interesting is that for you to start walking, for you to commit to that journey, you are believing that something is going to happen along the way. Something's going to happen on the way to see the priest. This is a big expression of your confidence or something that we might call faith. Uh, They're thinking, so for me to walk this far and put myself out there with a like the supreme religious leader of our day, something had better happen. And so what Jesus is asking them to do is very interesting because it demonstrates an extraordinary amount of faith for these people to start walking. And so we don't know how long their trip was to see the priest. We don't know if it was a few hours to go to the nearest town or if they had to go all the way to Jerusalem, which would have been a couple of days. We don't know. But here's what the text says in verse 14. It says, as they, and as they went... They were cleansed. And we don't know if this was an hour. We don't know if this was six hours. We don't know if it was an overnight trip to see a priest. And at some point along the way, these 10 men were realizing or had realized that they had leprosy and then they had it no more. It was gone. They were healed. And this is where our story really begins to intersect with our topic today. Look at verse 15. It says this. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. So everybody gets healed, right? Everyone, all 10 of them, all 10 of them. They take off running. At some point on this journey, they're like, oh my goodness, this is good. I get to go show the priest. I'm going to get my clean bill of health. And then I'm going to finally get to go see my family. I'm going to go see my friends. Everything is good. So they probably take off running. But one of them, one of them, once he realizes that he had been healed, He doesn't run to the priest. He turns around, he goes back, and he thanks Jesus. We don't know if he had to go six hours or two days, but he did it. And this is what we read in verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Essentially, what he did, and this brings us to the application of today, what he did is this. He went back to thank the one 
who enabled him to move forward with his life. And every single one of us, no matter how talented we are, no matter how hard we've worked, no matter what we've accomplished, no matter how ambitious we think we are, I don't want, I mean, you know you have that hustle muscle and you get up, but every one of you, you can look back in the rear view mirror of your life and you can see people who have helped you to get to where you are today. All of us have people behind us that have made what we do and what we have become possible. And this guy understood that Jesus made it possible for, and enabled him to move forward with his life. And this is what the Samaritan did. And this is where we get to the tension of gratitude and ingratitude. And as we keep reading, we see that Jesus asks a question. And he may have had a grin on his face. I think he probably had a grin on his face. I don't know for sure. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be rude, but like he probably had a great, and, and here's what he says. Uh, and, and it gets, really gets to the heart of what we're talking about. Look in verse 17. It says, Jesus asks, um, uh, we're not all 10 cleansed. Hey, the guy comes back. He's like, oh God, uh, thank you so much. And he's like, we're, we're not all 10 cleansed. I think he asked if they were, I sent out 10 of them. Did the miracle not work? Did I run out of juice today? Like, is it not working? Uh, was it too much healing for one day? Do they need to come back into it? What happened? You know, we're, you know, uh, we're not all 10 clients. And then he asks another question. You know, you know how Jesus is. He, he doesn't just ask one question. He kind of squeezes it a little bit. He's like, we're not all, we're, he's looking at verse uh, 17. He says, we're, uh, Jesus asks, we're not all 10 cleans. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? And Jesus is a genius here because he's showing his audience that there's something missing. There's something wrong with this picture. There's something incomplete. There's something open-ended. There's something unfinished. And you know this experience. When something has been done for you, but there's still something unfinished. There's still something incomplete. Um, Just recently, at the end of October, uh, Maren and Nikki and myself, Maren's our daughter. We have a five-year-old. You see her around. She's got beautiful blonde hair and no teeth. Um, (laughs) And she's lovely, you know, she's just like, she's lovely. She's got a lot of energy at uh, between 6 and 6.05 a.m. every Saturday morning. Let's do something. Let's see a carpe diem. Go back to bed. Anyway, that's not why, that's not my illustration. She's excited. She's excited to be there. So we take her trick-or-treating, okay? Uh, please don't send me letters about trick-or-treating, but we do it. We take her trick-or-treating. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't. Just don't. I'm just, I'm going to do it next year. Uh, and so we go with some friends from the school, and we go down to north of Montana on 16th, and it's like crazy. If you've ever been there, it's like the most amazing trick-or-treating. And so uh, you know the scenario. When, when a child goes up and they have the people standing there in front of these huge man- mansion-type houses, and the people are just in their the adults in their finest costumes, swirling a glass of wine, handing out candy, you know the scene. And they're handing out their candy, and it's lovely. It's lovely. Don't write me letters about that either. But the way, so, so they go and they go and they're like, hi, what are you supposed to be? And she's like, I'm a rainbow princess unicorn because that's what she was. She's got these butterfly unicorn, something, right? There's butterfly. And so she goes, she gets the piece of candy and she runs off. And like, there's something that stirs in you as an adult. There's a question that every adult asks a kid that would do that in that scenario. What is that question? 
What do you say? What do you say? Every adult knows that there is a tension before you unwrap the candy, before you run to the next house, before you go, look, mom, it's a full size candy bar. Every time before you go to run, there's something left undone. There's something that needs to be said. There's something that needs to be complete. And it's, if there isn't an expression of gratitude, there's something wrong. There's something missing. And, uh, and what are you supposed to say? Thank you. Thank you. I'm very grateful for you answering that. Thank you. And when we watch a kid almost miss this, every adult knows this. We almost cringe. Like you can feel the shaking uh, happening. But when we think about when we think about what we're grateful for and who we're grateful for, when it comes to us as adults, it's easy for us to just keep moving forward. We think about the people who have helped us go further, faster, and when we realize it and what they've done for us, uh, but we, and we don't give thanks or we don't, we're not grateful for them, we, there's something missing. There's something unfinished there. And we can almost panic when a child doesn't say thank you. But as adults, it's easy for us just to keep moving forward. So Jesus finishes his question. In verse from 17 to 19, I'll just read the whole thing. It says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said, rise. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So if you were to read this story in isolation, like if you were to read it by yourself, your immediate reaction would be the same as mine and the same as a parent who watches a kid run off with a piece of candy without saying thank you. You would say, how ungrateful. These other nine people, how ungrateful are they? These guys just got their lives handed back to them. And they are going to go about their merry little way, and they're not without even so much as a thank you? I don't think so. And if you were to track down the other nine, wherever they are, you did a little, you know, where are they now kind of thing, and you said, hey, other nine, are you grateful? Are you thankful? They would probably lose their minds. They would be like, absolutely, yes. In our hearts, our minds, we are filled with gratitude. We are so thankful. He gave us back our life, yada, yada, yada. They would go on and on. And here's what we can conclude about that. The other nine, they felt it, but they didn't express it. They felt it in their heart. They felt it in their minds. They believed it. They probably broadcasted it out a little bit to the people that they know once they got back. Oh, hey, mom, dad, check it out. I'm so grateful this happened. Thanks to God, yada, yada, yada. They felt it. But they didn't express it, express it to Jesus. Now, is that a big deal? Well, Jesus seemed to think so. Where are the other nine? We're not all ten cleansed. Something's wrong. And as we head into this Thanksgiving season, this... (laughs) As we head into this Thanksgiving season... This is a big deal. This is, this is a really big deal. Because there's so, it is something that affects every single one of our relationships, to the positive and to the negative. Every single relationship you are in right now, every single relationship I'm in right now, this principle is playing itself out in a positive way or in a negative way. And this is it. This is the principle. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. The gratitude you feel in your heart is also felt by the other people. But if it is unexpressed, the other person feels and experiences your unexpressed gratitude as ingratitude. And it is very likely that the, that the gratitude you feel 
uh, that is ex- expressed or unexpressed to another person is exactly the opposite of what you intend. And it is felt as the opposite of actually what you feel. But it goes even deeper than that. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced as rejection. And here's how this works. You know, um, when you don't express it, maybe you think it's, it's part of what they should do for you. Well, you know, I deserve that. I, I don't need to think. I deserve it. Well, it's just my mom. She's supposed to do that. That's what moms do, okay? You know, that's what grandparents do. I, I pay for him. I, I, pay, I pay him for that. It's his job to do that. It's your job to support the family. It's her job to support the family. It's, it's, it's your job to do this. And over time, unexpressed gratitude has the same effect as rejection. And here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. Our hearts gravitate towards acceptance, and our hearts are repelled by rejection. The people in your life are no different than how you feel. You can project this onto them. The people around you, their hearts are attracted to acceptance. They gravitate towards acceptance, and it's repelled by rejection. And this is why your parents, when they didn't like your friends in high school, they could list all the reasons out why they're like, they do this, and they do this, and you're going to all these places, and this and that. Blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, you're just going to look at your parents. You're going, hmm, they're just, they're, but they're my friends. They're my friends. So... Why is that? Because our hearts gravitate towards those who accept us, even though they might not be good for us. Acceptance. Our hearts are repelled by rejection. So ingratitude, then, is a subtle, subtle form of rejection, which means you can ingratitude someone right out of the house. You can ingratitude yourself right out of somebody's heart. You can ingratitude your kid right out of a home and you can ingratitude the person you love the most right out of your life. And ingratitude, it's a subtle, subtle form of rejection. It's determinative. And over time, it has the full range of rejection. And this is why we have to do something about it. This is why it's not just enough for us to feel it. This is why we have to express it. And it is critical for all of our relationships in life. It's not just enough for us to think about it and make the mental note. You know, I am really grateful for that person. We have to do something about it, regardless of our personality, whether we're an introvert or an extrovert, whether we're super expressive or we're not so expressive, because over time, ingratitude communicates rejection You've got to figure this out. You've got to figure out how to get what's in your heart and in your mind into the hearts and minds and ears of the people you are grateful for. But it's even more than that. We can actually take this concept one step further. And this may bother you. And if it bothers you, I don't care. (laughs) Here's why. Because if it bothers you, you need to pay attention to why it bothers you. Unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. Unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. It's in your heart, but you go, hey, I'm not going to say anything. It doesn't matter. I don't need to say anything. I mean, they work for me. This is what they're supposed to do. She knows how I feel. I don't really need to say anything. He knows how I feel. I don't want to bother. It's going to be awkward if I do it at the table with the thing and the thing. She remembered that one time, like two years ago, we were on a Ferris wheel, and I said, I really appreciate you. And, like, she was like, thank you for saying that. It's been a while. And, like, that's that. So we're done with that chapter. We were through that, you know. Um, In other words, if you have a hard time saying thank you, If you have a hard time sitting with somebody and sitting them down and saying you really appreciate 
what they do. Hey, I really appreciate you. I really, really appreciate what you. You need to ask yourself why. Because you are smart enough to know that you didn't get to where you are today by yourself. And you are smart enough to know that the people in your life, the people in your story have helped you along the way. If there's something in you that it is so difficult to express gratitude, that is something to pay attention to. In the wake of your progress, there are dozens and dozens of people who have facilitated your success. There is a sense that you owe a deep debt of gratitude to somebody. And that unexpressed gratitude is a debt that, uh, to a person that has yet to be paid. It's almost like we owe it. And so logically, we know this. We know that express gratitude actually closes the loop. So I want you to picture like a circle. Express gratitude uh, closes and finishes the loop. Anytime someone does something for you, that's the first half of the loop. But there's something incomplete. There's something like a kid that doesn't say thank you after they get a piece of candy on Halloween. There's something that needs to be happened from you. And that is your gratefulness. That is your thankfulness. It's an incomplete relationship until you do it. You can't have the full circle in your relationship if something is done for you until you express that gratitude. Um, and think about this. And this is the bottom line. Gratitude. It is not enough to feel it. And if you had talked to the guys on the way to Jerusalem or after they got back and they were kicking back on the couch, you know, watching some Macy's Thanksgiving Day prayed, and they were like, Mom, make me a sandwich. And you were there. So they're like, oh, my gosh. And you were like, hey, are you grateful? They'd be like, pop up. He's like, yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah. Gratitude is determinative. Changes everything. And so here's, here, I just want to make this point one more time. Gratitude, it's not enough to feel it. You've got to express it. And we aren't going to express it the same way. We're not going to have the same, uh, you know, attitude or same energy, same expressiveness. But it, this is important, especially for those in the closest relationships to you. Uh, why? Because, again, like I said, it's determinative. It is either in, interpreted as acceptance or rejection. And so let me ask you a personal question. Have you developed the habit of expressing gratitude? Have you found a way to say what you need to say to the people you need to say it to? Have you found a way to actually do it? Not, no, I know, I know you're here right now. You've thought of, you're, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about how grateful you are. Uh, you know, but have you dealt with, been able to deal with the pride that actually keeps you from delivering what you need to say to the thing that you feel inside but have yet to communicate? Are you in the habit? of expressing gratitude. Why? Because, again, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Or uh, to continue the context of, uh, continue it in the context of the story of Jesus, what are you going to be like? Are you going to be like the one? Or are you going to be like the nine? Are you going to be like the one, the one who came back and gave thanks? Or are you going to be like the nine, just internally grateful? Are you going to be the one who returns or you will be the one who temporarily stops your forward progress to recognize those who have helped you to get where you need to go today. It's not enough to feel it. You've got to express it. So the problem with this whole thing, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you to the punch here. I'm going to tell you the problem with this. The problem is that you're probably sitting next to someone uh, and you're like, I'm so glad Chris talked about this today. <laughs> And you're thinking, and if I was in your shoes, I'd be saying, He's, he is so right. He is so right. I'm so grateful. But if I express gratitude tomorrow, well, they're, 
they're going to think that the only reason I expressed gratitude was because of the sermon. And, you know, well, I should probably just wait a couple weeks. That is pride. That is pride. I'm just here to tell you that is pride. I get it. None of us want some guy in a shirt that doesn't quite fit up here talking about how God loves you and do this in your marriage. And you need to, you need to stop doing this and start doing this. No, you know, and like, you don't want, I get that. I get that. Trust me. You know, I'm a bit of an anti-authoritarian. I'm like, they're like, what are you telling? So I get that. All right. But let me tell you about how the flip side, so just disregard that. Let me tell you how the flip side works on this. The person you need to express gratitude to, especially if they are here right now, if you don't, if you don't do it, it will sting even more. And they're going to feel even more underappreciated or unappreciated. And so if you do it, just do it now. Like just let them know, like, in real time, like, within the next few hours. Because, and you can even reference me. You can say, you know, Chris was talking, and um, it's true. I do appreciate you. Whatever you need to say, you can get it out. Just reference me and just own it. You know why? Because they will appreciate it. They know you. They know the last time you showed gratitude. They know you're not that original. And they're not thinking, all of a sudden, my, the person I was sitting next to, we were bullsing there listening to Chris. All of a sudden, he had this great idea. Uh, he don't know. You don't have that great idea. So just do it now. Just don't, get, just don't hold back. Do it now. And if the person's not in the room, you're going to have to like, you know, commit to doing it. Um, so I actually have a few questions for you. Uh, for you to consider that it can help you think through the people that you should be grateful for in your life. Um, uh, not to even mention like our gratefulness for God, uh, but I, I just, I just want to uh, talk about people in your life right now. Um, how about this for a question? Um, who do you take for granted? Who do you take for granted? Another question would be who has facilitated your forward motion in life? Who's facilitated your forward motion in life? Uh, this one ends in a preposition. Uh, who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? Who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? Uh, here's another one. Um, who do you need to close the loop with? When you heard me explaining the loop, you know, the other half of the loop, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Who are you grateful for in your heart? But who needs to hear it from you and from your lips? Who needs to see it in your behavior? Ooh, that's a tough one. Who has greatly facilitated your progress? When you tell your story of success, you always include that person in their story of success, but like, you know, you never really thank them. Don't you want to be one of the nine? I mean, excuse me. Don't you want to not be one of the nine? <laughs> it's only our eighth week. Don't you be one of the... Don't you want to be on the one? <laughs> And not one of the nine, you know? Don't you want to do that? You were built to be grateful. And I want to give you a homework assignment. Now, we don't normally give homework. And if you don't want to do homework, that's fine. You're like, I'm, you know, you know, yeah, you know, you sing some Pink Floyd song about teacher, leave those kids alone or whatever you want to do. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week, you know, no guilt. I'm not the boss of you. I understand that. Maybe just look at this as a challenge. Between now and Thanksgiving, today is Sunday. Thanksgiving is Thursday. That's a few days. Between now and Thanksgiving, a really practical way to live this out is to write three notes, three thank you notes, three notes where you say, hey, I appreciate you. Hey, it's been a while since I've said something, but I, uh, I appreciate you. I am grateful for you. 
Remember this thing you did here. Remember back in the time when you did this with the thing and the thing. And, you know, you can say it, um, it you know, it, that's fine. Um, but, but will you be intentional? Um, and I find that the more detail, the better. I mean, uh, in, in your notes, again, like you can say it, but like it's not best. Or if you send like a quick text, you're like, hey, you know, thank you. And the person's like, I haven't talked to you in six years, but okay, you're welcome. Like, that's why it's important to kind of lay out the more detail, the better. The more detail you include is good. Get specific. Talk about where, when, why, and how. And in, in these specific instances, uh, you know, that will be helpful for the person uh, to do it. So uh, to understand that you're grateful. And so when we do this, we are participating and determining. We're the ones that get to determine. We get to determine to have healthier relationships, stronger relationships. We can have healthier friendships. We can have better relationships with our parents and our children. We can have marriages that are less suspicious. And when we close the loop with somebody, when we close the loop with a parent, when we close the loop with someone that's facilitated our success uh, or someone who may feel isolated from us, when we do that, we are doing as we were intended to do. We are ordering our relationships in the way that's the healthiest that it can be because unexpressed gratitude is felt and it's experienced as ingratitude. It's not enough to feel it. We have got to express it. Amen. Why don't we all stand?